In the summer of 1973, some renegade independent filmmakers and a group of unknown actors braved the brutal Texas heat to create one of the most disturbing and terrifying films ever made, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Although portrayed on film as a true story, it's largely fictional, but there's no question that it was inspired by real life. The horrifying house, the furniture made from human bones and flesh, the brutal killer with a mask made from a woman's face, it all seems too unbelievable to be true. And yet all of it was torn from the pages of Wisconsin newspapers from the late 1950s. That was when a very strange little man named Ed Gein had been arrested in the small town of Plainfield. When the police raided his farm, they discovered what would someday inspire props for a horror film, like lampshades made from skin, soup bowls crafted from human skulls, and women hanging on meat hooks. And that wasn't all. The real-life crimes of Eddie Gein were even more twisted than those of the cannibals in the film. Dead Men Do Tell Tales is a special spin-off series of the American Hauntings podcast. And with each season of the series, we delve into a single story from the dark side of American history. Except this time. In our new season, which is season four called Depraved, we'll actually be delving into two stories at the same time. One will be the true story of the Wisconsin monster, Ed Gein and the other will be the story behind the making of the film based on his crimes, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which became its own special kind of hell. You can get every episode of Depraved by becoming a Patreon supporter of American Hauntings. Plus, you can also get discounts, cool stuff in the mail, and three other full seasons of our alternative podcast. To become a supporter, Go to patreon.com slash American Hauntings or see the show notes for the link and listen to our new season, if you dare. Hey guys, this is Troy Taylor, and I wanted to say thanks for tuning in to this bonus episode from American Hauntings. I wanted to get this out to you today, which is the day of our new episode of season four of Dead Men Do Tell Tales that kicks off our, our new Patreon season. And I also wanted to take care of a little bit of housekeeping that we've fallen behind on with Dead of Winter dropping in after episode one of the season and all this stuff. So we've got another episode coming up next week but I wanted to kind of catch up on a few things here. So mostly, I, I really just wanted to answer some of the questions that you've sent in via the hotline and post a few of the interviews or ghost story interviews that we recorded at Dead of Winter. We, we've got a lot of them. So we'll be putting those out there, and uh, there'll be some bonus shows through the season, and we'll be making sure that, uh, you know, be sure to tune in because there are some really good ones that are on the way. First, though, let's get to the haunt line uh, for some of your texts and reviews. Uh, if you'd like to leave us a message or a review or have a question you'd like to have answered on the show, drop us a text at 
888-789-7859. And you'll either hear it on the show or I'll get back to you in advance. Now, this first message is, is not a text. It's, it's actually sort of a message in a bottle. And no, I'm not kidding. You might remember in the past that we've joked around about sending messages through email, snail mail, candy grams, telegrams, which we actually did receive a Western Union telegram once, and, and even messages in a bottle. Now, this wasn't actually a bottle, but it was a very cool handmade Limp family tumbler with the Limp Beer logo on it and portraits of both of the William Limps on it. Um, it was given to me at Dead of Winter by one of our listeners, Ricky Swin, from Columbus, Ohio. And, and she stuck a note inside, and, and the note said, uh, Hey, Troy and Cody, American Hauntings Podcast, here is your message in a bottle. <laughs> I really appreciate the podcast. I love ghosts, and I've been able to find a new appreciation for history by listening to the podcast. Love that you share the truths. Keep doing what you're doing, haunted fan uh, from Ricky. So anyway, I, I thanked her at the time, but I wanted to give her a special shout out on the show because I did uh, really appreciate having this. It's very cool, and um, thank you again for doing that. So uh, anyway, we've got some uh, we've got some some texts here. Uh, unfortunately, some of them are. <laughs> a little old, uh, not too terribly old, but they date back to the end of January because, like I said, we we run a little behind with dead of the win dead of winter showing up in there. So, uh, anyway, um, this first one comes from Steph in the five one six. Uh, she said she's excited to start season eight. Uh, she said, I thought the Myrtles was a great story to start with. I'm somewhat familiar with the stories and the fact that they aren't so factual. I've heard a theory that suggested maybe a haunting, and I guess it would be Chloe in this case, can be manifested by the telling and retelling of a story over the years and all the energy people put toward it despite having no basis in reality. What are your thoughts on something like this? Well, that is something that I've always been fascinated with, actually. Um, I think maybe it was last year or the year before, um, April Slaughter did a workshop at uh, the Haunted America conference about what are called tulpas. Um, and that comes, I believe, from, um, you know, it has its basis anyway in Eastern religions. But um, a tulpa is a spirit that is created by sheer will. Um, I think the best way to kind of describe it, actually, I, oddly, I just watched a movie about this the other night uh, that kind of follows up a, a modern version of this. But if you go back to the 1970s, there was what was called the Philip Experiments. And it was a group of researchers in Canada that decided to literally create a ghost. Um, they created a background for him. Uh, they, they created a whole storyline. They, they drew a, an image of what they thought he looked like. And then they began to hold a series of seances to make contact with this person who died in the past who never actually existed. Um, so what happened as things progressed, they actually began to create activity in their laboratory setting. Uh, not really a laboratory, but in the setting for their seances, they began to create energy. Uh, the table would move, they would get messages, all kinds of things. So they had literally created this ghost. And as I said, I, I watched a movie called The Apparition the other night, which is 
not fantastic, but it was okay. Um, and it was the same sort of thing, except this particular entity, uh, they didn't really create, they just sort of contacted it. Anyway, it's a, that's a long story. But the point is, is that there is a belief that when people tell and retell a story and it's done over and over and over again, that it's possible that it does tend to create real energy. And, you know, a real haunting. I've heard about it at different locations in the past. And I suppose it's possible that, you know, maybe that's what's happened with, um, you know, with with the the story of Chloe at the Myrtles. Maybe they've created something. But honestly, I I think the the house is haunted. Um, I think that there already was a story there and probably uh, of uh, a former slave that maybe died on the property and people began to actually see her and she's taken on a new personality as Chloe over the years. So yeah, and, and I actually have a follow-up question on that too. Um, and this one comes in from um, the 618 and it said, um, hey, a couple questions about the Myrtles Plantation. As time passes, do you ever think they'll tell the real story? Uh, I'm sure if you call them out on it, they get a bit upset. And yeah, we did have a, there was a tussle years ago about that, um, about uh, putting up the the true facts and weren't very happy about it. But I will tell you, they just keep telling the same story. Um, I, you know, like I said, I was just there last year. And while we were there filming that, that documentary, there, there were people there uh, that worked there telling that the story of Chloe. So yeah, it, I don't think that it's probably going to change. Um, and our, our, our texter here uh, noted that, uh, that a guide at Merrimack Caverns threatened to throw me out when I challenged him on all the Jesse James stuff. So I get that sensationalism equals dollars, but I find the actual deaths in history more interesting. I, I do too. Um, and I think that um, that's just something that has become such a part of its history that they don't want to change it because they believe that that's what brings the tourists in. And honestly, I think maybe telling a story of how this was created, I don't know, whatever. It's my opinion against, you know, the way they do things. That's up to them. Um, it's it's not my location. I can't, uh, I can't, I, I mean, I guess I'm being judgy about it. Uh, but I still think that maybe telling the real history would be better. But that is just me. Anyway, this is comes from Eddie in the 678, um, who really enjoyed uh, Haunted Alton when he read it. And, I, and I, I know Eddie. I don't think he's ever been to Alton. So it's kind of, <laughs> kind of cool that he enjoyed it. But um, he does see it, it rather sad that the Three Mile House burned down and that Lakeview is gone. Um, yeah, I, I agree with both of those things. Um, I, I still talk to people all the time, mostly about they'll ask me about the Three Mile House. Uh, people seem to remember that one better. Uh, than Lakeview, maybe just because it was such a public location. Uh, Lakeview was, they called it the Hartford Castle. It was located there close to Alton. Um, And I have been out to the property, and I think maybe I mentioned uh, when we were talking about that in our Alton Revisited uh, shows from last year that on that property, you can still see where the moat was. You can see where the ponds were. Some of the outbuildings are still there, the ones that were made from concrete. Uh, There are still statues scattered around the property that were put there back when the place was built. So that in itself is kind of cool because you have just a little bit of a, you know, um, what was there kind of thing that you can still see today. Uh, So this one comes from uh, Kyle uh, from the 573. 
Uh, he said, my wife and I have been down several times for dinner and bus tours and just finished the gone season. And I'm curious if you ever looked into the vanishing cases in Hannibal, one being the Lost Boys of Hannibal from 1967. Uh, he also, there's the, um, the Christina Whitaker case. And actually, the, the, the Lost Boys from 1967 will actually be included in the, the, the follow-up book, the I don't know. I assume it's just going to be called Without a Trace 2. I am at work at that now. It's coming out in time for the Haunted America Conference. So, uh, like I said, I I credit all you guys for the the fact that that book is even being written because of all the great stories and leads and suggestions I got from you, um, you know, when we were doing that season. And it was a lot of fun for me to do. And uh, I think, obviously, a lot of you enjoyed it as well because you kept sending me ideas. So I I do really appreciate them. And a lot of those ideas are going into the book, and that is one of them. So uh, keep an eye out for that. I'm going to dig into it a little bit deeper. Uh, This one comes from Michelle in the 918. She just says uh, she loves the podcast. Thanks for all the research. Uh, She is a professional genealogist, so she appreciates it. And not everyone in Oklahoma hates us. So, see, that's a good thing. Uh, so those of you who claim that they would, they don't. Well, not everyone anyway. Uh, anyway, so here's one more. Um, and uh, this comes from Chris. He's texted us before and uh, he comes from the 740. Uh, he said he forgot to put his name last time. So I'm giving you a shout out this time, Chris. Um, anyway, he says he tries to listen to every episode when it's posted, but work has been hell. And uh, just want to say, keep up the great work. Well, that's the great thing about a podcast it's not going anywhere. So you can catch up with it whenever you want to. So if you get a little behind, that's okay. I There are a lot of podcasts I listen to if I know it's only going to be a few episodes. I mean, I can't wait 20, 25 episodes, but I can wait for five or six, and maybe I'll just wait for the whole thing to drop, and then I'll binge the whole thing. I even subscribe to some just so I get the whole season at the same time. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not, super patient. So I, I don't, uh, I'm not great about waiting. So, Hey, you know what? A couple episodes behind, you can binge a few. So anyway, he says, keep up the great work, love the podcast. And, uh, it also says, Hey, Cody, keep up the questions and the frustration. I always enjoy that. And, uh, I like the fact that you, uh, are, you know, that, that Cody asks questions that, that people sometimes want to hear. And, uh, if he doesn't ask, I try to throw them in myself. <laughs> Uh, the best I can. So anyway, those are the texts from the hotline uh, that we needed to catch up on. So uh, this is a reminder, you can send in your own messages, just use the uh, the text line, the hotline at 217-791-7859. Now stay tuned for some of the ghost stories recorded by our own Samantha Smith at Dead of Winter, right after these important messages from our sponsors. Have you ever wanted to learn a new language? And I don't mean like spells or incantations to trap spirits, you weirdos. I mean like a new language that could help you start communicating with more people on this plane today. Then I need to tell you about Rosetta Stone. Look, you know the brand, you know the name. They have the expertise and a 30-year legacy, which makes them more qualified than ever to help you learn a new language today. They've helped millions of people build the fluency and confidence to speak new languages. Now, this is the part where Troy would tell me that I made some kind of grammatical error, but he's not here right now, so like, I don't know, it's like speaking tongues. 
Rosetta Stone focuses on speaking practice for real life scenarios to get you ready for real conversations with real people. Or maybe you can even learn how to use some different types of Ouija boards. I don't know. Either way, Rosetta Stone can help you learn faster and retain your new language better. Honestly, Rosetta Stone really would have come in handy for season four of New Orleans because I know we butchered some of those French names and I apologize once again. Now you all know I have a nine to five job when I'm not at the podcast factory and Rosetta Stone actually helped me not make a total fool out of myself while I was in Brazil interviewing celebrities. Obrigado. And now I want to help you. So don't put off learning that new language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, American Hauntings podcast listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. Rosetta Stone, how language is learned. Wait, by the way, Troy, like where do words come from? Hey, no, don't, 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 don't walk away. Oh, Troy, where do words come The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. All right, so you're my first ghost story of the day. Yeah, um, so... I guess, well, I guess you can tell me your name if you want. You don't have to. Or you can just tell me your story. What are you up to? Well, my name is Cheryl. Um, well, I'm, I'm new to Illinois, and I'm um, still learning. And so I'm living in a house with my parents in the basement, and it is, in fact, haunted. And there's, like, a few people there. Um, as far as I know, it's a, a, it's a lady. I don't know her name. Hmm. Plus a man named Steve, an older man, and I'm guessing a small child, but we're not sure what their name is, what their age is, stuff like that. And this happened a few months ago, and there was a time I was sitting in my my game room in my parents' house, and no one was behind me or anything, Hmm. and somehow something kept on tapping on my shoulder, Ooh. tugging my hair a little bit, and I had the feeling it was probably the child that yeah. was doing it, but I'm not sure, because I thought it was my brother or my sister trying to mess with me like they usually do, but it wasn't them, because my brother was doing something else, my sister was on the couch. And then another night, I was in my room, uh, me and my husband were sleeping, and I wake up at about between like 2.33 a.m. and out of like a dead sleep. And I see this dark, tall figure and it's like hovering like above the little, like the top of the door. And it was like, I don't, I'm I'm trying to worry as best as I can. So it was like a figure that was like hovering 
uh, and you could see it over the door, like kind of like how there's like glass over the door. Like it's just a regular like door, like you could it's like wall on like top. Oh yeah. It was kind of like kind of like this little bit almost. Uh huh. And it was just floating. It was dark, and I had a feeling it was a lady. Yeah. And it's just all I see was like a long dark figure. Like it was like a gown type wearing. Feeling, and like long hair and like it had no face it had literally red eyes and that sounds terrifying it was and all I got was this feeling this rush of just like anger mm. sadness and just pure depression mm. and I wanted to scream but I couldn't because like, it just felt like something was like right there, laying on my chest, squeezing my insides to where I couldn't. Oh, God. And I just wasn't sure. I wanted to wake up my husband, but I'm like, no, he's sleeping. He has to get up in a few hours. I'm like, no. And it's like, I didn't know how to make it go away. So do you guys think that it's a, like it's a family unit? Like a ghost? Like, I'm not, I, I really don't know. Like, I'm, I'm guessing like it was one of the people um, that was there. Yeah. But I think, because I, I think as far as I know, the house was built way after that these people had existed. Oh. Because the house I'm living in it was built in the 70s. Oh. And it was just so scary. And my dad ha- usually talks to them every once in a while. And the guy, Steve, like, he'll answer the questions. Hmm. And my dad will ask him, well, what do you think of the house? What do you think of the renovations? And he'll just be, I don't like them, or get out. Oh, my God. And, like, I feel like I can't even go to bed at night knowing that something's going to happen. Yeah, so it sounds like, um, so has anyone else seen the the, the woman ghost, like the, the, uh, the female? No, no one has, except me. Like, my... My folks, they're kind of eh yeah. about all of it. Like, I know in a way they do believe in ghosts, but just, like, in a different way than I do. Because, like, for me, I feel like I'm more, like, how do I word it? Like, can't think of a word. I'm sorry. No, it's Brain okay. Fart. But uh, I feel like with... The way that I think sometimes, because I get very, very paranoid. Yeah. And I do feel like I do see things sometimes. So, like, maybe you're a little bit more sensitive to energy. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I get that. I feel like I give up an energy that might attract those things. Mm-hmm. So, or like maybe like past traumas that they sense that I hang on to that 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 draws them in. Yeah. Yeah. That's. That makes a lot of sense. I sometimes when I hear stories about like um, like vengeful ghosts or like angry ghosts presenting themselves to a specific gender, I'm just like, what happened to them? Yeah. Right? Like, what happened to that ghost that makes them um, seek out that audience? You know what I mean? Right. And like my um, my family is ancestors because I I also have some Native American in me and mm-hmm. my ancestors and stuff and my current family that uh, are very into it as well, um, are very, very spiritual. And I feel like I've also picked that up as uh, well. Yeah, yeah, of course. If, if, yeah, so, and if I picked up that gene, I'm, in a way, I'm actually glad I did because 
I, I feel like I could see things that my folks may not see or notice things. Yeah. And it's like, it's kind of, it gets kind of hard to tell people about it because not everybody believes in it like I do. Yeah. Or like you do, obviously. Yeah. So. Yeah, it can be hard um, to kind of talk about your supernatural experiences if people have, if just don't believe them or, you know, just brush them off. Um, I really appreciate you sharing them with me today. Yeah, because like over, like, even like when I was younger, like, I would, like, literally see like little dark figures i remember one time too i was a little girl at sleeping in my obviously big bedroom i had at one point mm-hmm. i'd come out of the back come out of my room to turn the corner to go to get a drink down the hallway or whatever and i there's a little space in between my door and the bookshelf mm-hmm. and all i see is this tall like you could see the form of the body and the head and like you could see like the mouth, but it's like very like faded, but not there. And like you could see, like of course, like the little parts of your eyes right there, but yeah. like red, like glowing red. Oh. And it just and all around, in where I would see like these dark tree type figures. It is super spooky. That is that sounds very spooky. I I've been fortunate enough that I've never experienced a spooky. Uh, experience. I mean, they're all spooky, but never like red eye spooky. That sounds haunting. <laughs> right. Um, that's great. I thank you so much for sharing. No problem. Um, I'm interested to. So you live in this house with these ghosts still? Yeah. Um, I'm gonna be collecting more stories like later this year. You should absolutely keep me updated. I want to hear if you. Ha- I want to hear what Steve's up to. Steve sounds like he's a real hater of the renovations. Yeah, because, like, he, he seemed like he, he was a real hater. Like, I'm not sure what the lady's like. As far as I know, it, he seems kind of negative. <laughs> the child, I'm guessing, from the sounds of it, is very playful. Yeah. But just doesn't present themselves as much. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Um, keep us updated. Keep the, keep the podcast updated. Like I said, I want to see what Steve has to say about the house. I want to see... Uh, how much of a jokester the kid can be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if he ever tries to yank at my hair or tug at my shoulder, I'll keep you guys updated. Absolutely. Reach back out to us. Thank you so much. No problem. All right. So I'm ready for your story. Okay. So my dad, my dog, and my son all died in 2020. It was like the worst oh. year of my life. So, um, before my dad died, um, he was staying at my house, and um, he stayed there with me for a little while before we had to put him into an assisted living facility because Mm -hmm. he had dementia, he was, you know, kind of getting bad. Anyway, he ended up, that was right before COVID started, so we don't know if he had COVID or not, we just know that um, he refused to eat. Mm. Even the water tasted bad, he Mm. said even bottled water. It's like, this is nasty. <laughs> so he basically starved to death. Um, but he was on hospice, so he was, you know, medicated and went out comfortably. But um, it was probably about maybe a month or so after he had passed, 
and I was back in the bedroom in my house where he stayed, and I found um, the scarf hanging in the closet that he was he wore. Oh yeah. And so I took the scarf off the hook and I put it around my neck, and I was hugging it, and I went into my kitchen and I smelled it, and I'm like, yeah. oh dad, you know, just missing my dad. And um, I turn around and I look, and my dad is standing there. He is standing at my back porch, you know, at my back door. And he's got his feet out the back door, his butt's holding the back door open. And I'm just like, I, I can't move. I'm oh just my gosh, yeah. I can't speak. If I could do it again, I would talk to him. But he kept smiling at me real big. And uh, he even took his finger and pointed to his smile. Like, see? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, wow. I'm like, I see. You know, you're yeah. happy. I was going to say, do you think he wanted you to know that he was happy now? He wanted me to know he was happy and it was all good. Yeah. So then I, I don't know what happened. It was almost like he vanished, and the second he vanished, I screamed. Yeah, well, yeah. I don't understand how that happened, because I was happy to see him, but that's what happened. Yeah, that's such a, that's such a heartwarming story. Like, I, first off, thank you for sharing that with me. Um, have you seen him since, or? No, I've not seen him since. I love that. He just wanted to say goodbye. Yeah, and I think that he wanted me to know for sure that he was well. And to me, that's peaceful. That's, yeah. It's good. It's reassuring. Yeah, wow. You can't really ask for anything else, can you? No. Well, thank you so much for sharing that with me. Um, yeah, well, if he ever comes back, I'd like to hear more about it. Sure. Thank you so much. Thanks. Okay, so, welcome. Thank you. Uh, party's yours. <laughs> Alrighty. Um, so I've I've always been super interested in paranormal stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I've always been interested in ghost stories, but I've also been very skeptic. I'm the kind of person that's more on the side of like, well, it's probably easily explained, but it's like still fun to kind of like believe in and look yeah. into and stuff like that. And so growing up, um, I was raised by my grandmother, and she raised my brother and I, and she had told us all kinds of paranormal stuff that had happened to her. Um, weird things that she'd experienced even while raising us and living all in the same household um, but again I, I'd never really experienced anything so when we when we were in co- uh, not college high school uh, when I was in high school my brother was in middle school we had moved to this small town so that she could help her sister take care of their mother who was you know getting up there in age and needed some help yeah and so we moved this really small um, like country town and we find a house that um, some property owners, their um, the uh, the husband and the the husband's parents had lived in this house, and so they were older. One of them had passed in the house. They moved the other one to like a um, assisted facility kind of thing until until she passed. And so the house, they didn't want to get rid of it. They didn't want to sell it. They want to keep it in the family. So they put it up for rent. So we ended up coming across this. It was the perfect size. We started renting it. Um, but they they weren't the most hospitable people mm. at least the, the the husband wasn't and he had a lot of um, I mean he called them like antique furniture and stuff but a lot of it was just like you know rusted tools and things that were yeah. run down that he just didn't yeah he didn't yeah. want to get rid of it right. <laughs> so and unfortunately to um, to the chagrin of my grandmother uh, he kept a lot of it like in and around to the yard and he kept of a lot course. of it up in the attic <laughs> and so we didn't really have full use of the attic 
Um, but when I was learning um, how to like play drums and stuff like that, my uh, band teacher let me sort of like Frankenstein together like a you know a drum set. I got to bring it home, put it up in the attic, and I'd go up there and I would just hit drums until it eventually sounded like something. Um, <laughs> so anyway, so my grandmother started telling my brother and I these stories about she would hear really weird loud noises up in the attic, and anytime there was an extracurricular uh, event like a dance or a ball game because I was in band so you know we would play you know pet band would play for um, the ball games and stuff like that anytime we were away in the evenings she would hear these noises and first couple times she was like somebody's got to be up there it's yeah. too specific it's too loud she would force herself to go up there um, and, and check on things and there was never anything she was like maybe there's even an animal that got up there you mm -hmm. know because there's a lot of out in the country there's a lot of raccoons possums things like that they find ways to get in your house so she said one night it got so bad, she got so creeped out that she just got in the car, she drove to the school, and she just sat in the parking lot until we got done with the dance, Aww. and then we went back. She yeah. was just like, I was so dumbfounded with this, because again, I was also high school, so, you know, everything was like, yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> I was in that phase of my life. Uh -huh. um, but lo and behold, one night, um, it's like 10, 30, 11 o'clock, and for some reason, maybe I had like too much soda that day, but for some reason, I couldn't fall asleep. And I knew that grandmother was in her room asleep, my brother was in his room asleep, there was no activity, all the lights were out, and right as I'm falling asleep, I hear a thud come from the attic. And I, I'm like, that's strange, maybe Willie got up to go, Willie was my brother, mm -hmm. he got up to go to the bathroom or something like that. I'm like, no, it came from the attic. And I hear another thud, and I hear something get shifted, and I hear something fall off and hit the floor. I mean, it is, it's loud, it's very specific. Yeah. And I laid there for an hour listening to things get moved and knocked over and shifted in footsteps. And I, the next day I, I got up and I, I, um, I went in to have breakfast with, with Willie and, and my grandmother. And I looked at her and I was like, I believe you now. Yeah. I believe you because I listened to that for an hour last night and it could not have been anything else. Yeah, I mean, Raccoons make a lot of noise, but they don't shift. For, they don't rearrange. No, it sounded like, yeah, it sounded like somebody yeah. was picking, rearranging for things. <laughs> right? It, no, it was it was somebody moving things since, and there was a lot of heavy like metal tools and and like not machinery, but like small kind of machinery. Yeah, things up there, and so it was very deliberate, heavy moving and shifting and knocking things. Like I heard a box of something fall over and spill, and nothing was touched in the oh. because we didn't want to touch any of their stuff. <laughs> And the only thing that I had up there was my drum set. And it was nothing else was was touched. And I feel so bad because Willie's room was di directly. He had two door, th sorry, he had three doors to his room. One went out to the hallway. One went to um, the bathroom, the main bathroom, and then the third door in his room was out back in the corner. And it was and it went to the stairs that went up to the attic. Absolutely <laughs> not. If I was Willie, I'd be laying there wide-eyed. I don't know I how he, he agreed to be in that room. <laughs> did did he, he ever did he ever experience anything? I think he did. Yeah, I think he he told me a couple uh, instances where he would hear some weird noises and things like that. But wow. That was intense. Well, that's terrifying. Thank you. Gosh, thank you so much for sharing. Thank you for having us. Yeah, of course. All right, thank you so much for coming. Floor is all yours. Okay, so when uh, my wife and I first got married, so we rented a house in uh, 
Illinois town here, and uh, I had really never had any kind of major experiences ever before, so I was always really skeptical. Yeah. And my wife is, is sensitive. Okay. So she would find, she'd have stuff and she'd see people and she'd feel things, and, and I was always kind of like, well, uh, you know, I just kind of went along with it. I really didn't really worry too much about ever thinking I was going to see anything. When we moved into this house, and that's when I really started, uh, that's when I really got interested in paranormal stuff because I started having stuff happen to me as yeah. well. Uh, so, several, uh, my wife felt like there was like two different kind of entities. We had, but we had one that were, we had a boxer, oh. and when the, we had a kitchen and that went into the living room, and the boxer would stop, like block the door. Going into the living room and would sit there and stare into the living room and growl like this little. Mm. If you've been on a boxer, he has this little mm-hmm. mumbling growl, and he would not let us into the living room. And then finally, he would be like, "Okay, you can go in," and he let us go in. Yeah. So I'd be like, "That's kind of bizarre." Well, then we had rows of pictures on this table in the living room, and like like two or three rows of pictures. Yeah. And our my daughter, who had had like a lot of medical issues. We can woke up, woke up one morning, and her picture was out in the middle of the floor, and it was like two rows back. Oh. And so, and, and then you know, I'm like, okay, I gotta see if I can debunk. This. Yeah. And, thinking, and I'm, and there's no way that it could have fallen over without taking out other pictures. And to fall so far that it's in the middle of the floor. It was probably like six feet or more into the floor. Into oh, the, nothing falls feet. six feet. No. <laughs> No, and I mean, it looked like somebody had, had actually picked it up, walked over, and dropped it in the middle of the floor. Yeah. Which was weird because it was my daughter's picture. Well, then the next day, she had actually went into the hospital with some serious issues, medical uh, issues. So it was like, okay, this is kind of weird. Yeah. But, you know, this, but I mean, the whole, I don't know if that was a coincidence, but like literally it had moved. Well, then the, a couple other instances we had had with my wife had been in the bedroom and we went to bed, you know, she went to bed before me and she had somebody literally like stroking her hair. And she said she could feel like oh. her fingers going through her hair, and so it was very like very calming and very like motherly almost or grandmotherly. You know, it was like so, so it didn't really it didn't bother her as much. I was, you know, I was like, I, I, did no. she realize it wasn't you at the time? Or yeah, because she was by herself. There was nobody. Yeah, I wasn't even. And she was just like, yes, this is fine. Yeah, this is like this is weird. No. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I'm like, oh well, that's bizarre. Well, nothing really happened to me until one night I had went to bed early. Bed early in the morning. I'm tired. I was in bed and I felt somebody taking, like, tucking me in. Like I could feel same yeah. thing. I could feel the fingers and I could feel the, the the blanket going up underneath my bottom. Wow. And I was so tired. I just said, I was like, stop it. And yeah, I, just and I quit. And I never had that issue again. So you said that there were two entities. So do you think there was like maybe a not very kind one that the boxer didn't like and then a caregiver that would right. soothe yeah. you guys to sleep? Yeah, because my, my wife said she just felt like a darkness sometimes in the yeah. house. But then the, the girls, so my stepkids would be there and they and they were probably six, seven, somewhere in there. And they t- then tell us till later mm. that they would be upstairs and the, there was a bathroom up there that they shared with in bedrooms and the drawers would open themselves. And the other thing that happened with my older stepdaughter, we were in the kitchen and we were talking, and it was like, you know, how you have like a, it has like an island. Yeah. And there was a salt shaker sitting like, probably like a foot or so into the, off of the edge of the tape of the, the island. And we're sitting there talking, like, you know, 
about where, like we're at, mm -hmm. you know, within a couple feet of each other. And the salt shaker, it looked like somebody just went poof and just knocked it, it just like flew right off and landed on them. Wow. And we're just kind of like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> it sounds like you had very kind ghosts that just wanted attention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but there was something like, so my wife just felt there was something to, so most of the time it felt very, she said it felt, you know, very caring. And, but then there was a few times when it felt kind of not. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so that, that was kind of our biggest thing. My wife sees stuff all, she sees stuff all the time, but our, yeah. So, but that was my biggest experience. So that really kind of got me interested in the paranormal stuff. So. That's fair. Honestly, um, the hair stroking is probably just like a step too far for me with ghosts. <laughs> yeah. We have to have some personal boundaries, <laughs> friends. Um, I can't touch you. You can't touch me. Those are the rules. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that was really bizarre. Like, yeah. So there's the stuff that I like couldn't really explain away. You know, so and like I, I never had experiences. So I was like, oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, whatever. But when I felt like like I could feel like the four fingers like going in and tucking yeah. me in, and I've never experienced that anywhere else with that house. So you're a believer now? Yes. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But I also try to like you know I always, I always believe in like trying to debunk things too. But, but skepticism uh, is healthy. Yeah. But my my wife is very much like oh yeah she sees like you know feels presence and relatives and yeah. you know if we go somewhere she we see stuff. But I think the only other thing I ever had really was like. And when we went to McPike Mansion. Oh, yeah. That was probably my really first time ever. And that was, I, I could smell, like, perfume. And yeah. Was, I, like, stuck my head into, like, it was like a, it didn't look like a bathroom one time. It was, like, summertime, so it was kind of stifling in there. Yeah. That's when you still go on the main floor. And I, like, kind of just, like, looked, went to look into the, the bathroom, and I smelled like, this flowery smell. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what it was. <laughs> And uh, so I kind of stepped back, and then I put my head back in again, and it was gone. And then later on, they, they were talking about how they smell like lilac and stuff. And yeah. so then later on, I actually smelled lilac, and I'm like, that's it. I'm yeah. Like, that's really kind of, that was weird. But, that's crazy. But yeah, the whole other stuff was just like, out of the nuts. Well, thank you so much for sharing. I, I like hearing um, all the ghost stories I've heard today. There's just like, they're, they're unique in their own way, and like, no one's talked about like, touching yet. I love it. Um, so thank you so much.